Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I just think it's so cool to discover Milwaukee through the people's stories, the company stories, and, and figure out how we became the culture and place we are today. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. A fresh perspective on Milwaukee's past. When you think of a historical society, you probably don't picture a 29-year-old at the helm. But that's how old Mae McCulley was when she took over as executive director of the Milwaukee County Historical Society. Her energy and passion for her hometown are undeniable. And from their offices in an old bank building off of Old World 3rd Street, we dug into the society's vast collection. Why they have a mummified cat where Milwaukee's red light district used to be, and how Paps Brewing earned that blue ribbon. Here's the catch, it wasn't for the beer. Plus, we get into the challenge of digitizing and preserving our current history in an age when everything is in an email or on our phones. We'll also have the Fox 6 pack of questions with the newest meteorologist at Fox 6, Eric Mangus. But first, let's turn back the clock with Mame McCulley. We are in the building of the Milwaukee County Historical Society with the executive director of the society, Mae McCulley, joining us here to tell us all things Milwaukee history. This is a fascinating building and organization, and thank you thank so you. much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tell us uh, a little bit, for people who are not familiar, what kind of the main mission or what you guys do here at the society, and then we'll get into some of the fun stuff as sure well. Sure thing. So the society was founded in 1935 to collect, preserve, and make available materials relating to Milwaukee County. So that could be uh, the 75 5,000 artifacts we have, more than a million documents, more than a million photos, uh, about any subject you could imagine, literally. Um, transportation, um, old retail um, buildings, people's homes, people, um, the major companies, so we have it. Wow, yeah. and that's yeah. quite a record going back. Uh, I'll certainly ask you some of the more interesting things and whatnot, but do you want to give people a sense of maybe one or two of the really cool things that you can really only find through the society? Uh, well, so we have the only blue ribbons that Pabst ever won, uh, which it was actually not for their beer. It was for the draft horses in the 1904 <laughs> uh, World's Fair in St. Louis. And so I really love those. I also really enjoy the um, just the beer and brewing collection in general because it's so Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, and Billy the Brownie, because I had grandparents that truly loved Billy and grew up with him. Uh, we have him here in many forms uh, cool. as he evolved uh, through time in the store windows of Gimbel's and Schuster's. So, so PBR, yeah. is that a lie? Pep's Blue Ribbon? The, the beer is not actually the Blue <laughs> Ribbon beer? No. Actually, so they would have won gold medals back then. Okay. Uh, but, you know, at the time, um, which is, you know, before the turn of the century, a, a blue ribbon meant that that was the premiere that was winning. That was the best. And so it was a marketing thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they definitely had that on before they actually ever won. <laughs> Still a marketing thing. Yeah. Now, yeah. Many, uh, well, now it's just the name. Years yeah. later yeah. as well. Yeah. You mentioned how vast the collection is. Uh, so 100,000 different documents and pictures and million. things. A million. Over wow. A million. Over yeah. a million. Yeah. And 75,000 of the actual artifacts. 
where do you store this? Because I'm kind of envisioning like the end of Indiana Jones, this just giant place with uh, unending boxes. Of I things. wish it was that cool. Uh, <laughs> it is though. It, it's really neat to see. But uh, we have a lot of our collection here on site. We have um, the lower level is full. Uh, and then we have a whole st storage warehouse um, outside of downtown area that we keep everything else at. Um, so what we try to do is have a lot of our archives here, though, because people come to our research library six days a week mm. throughout the year, and that allows us to give them um, immediate turnaround when they ask for a document. Uh, every document, every artifact has a number, and that allows us to find it immediately. I was going to ask how you organize something when it, when yep. it is that vast, because it's got to yeah. be one thing to have it, but it's another thing to actually be able to find it for yes. folks. Yes. I mean, our archivists are essentially librarians, yeah. right? And um, they uh, put a number and a finding aid to everything we do. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. You're, you're from the Milwaukee area originally. How did Born you kind of get into this line of work? Well, born and raised in Milwaukee, and I went off to school in Michigan and then found myself in Washington, D.C., which was just a wonderful place to be young and have opportunities. And I started doing marketing for a historical um, house museum uh, called Decatur House on Lafayette hmm. Square. It was a beautiful home across from um, the White House, in, uh, right in downtown D.C. and 16th and H there. And uh, went on to work for the White House Historical Association, uh, doing marketing, yeah. uh, worked with the um, the annual White House Christmas ornament, actually, and that was a, <laughs> a neat thing. And then I went uh, to the National Trust for Historic Preservation and uh, managed the marketing for all of their historic sites. Uh, and so I, I just kept going with these this historical theme with the marketing, uh, and then I um, helped to um, oversee the marketing department, and then this came, and I had that weird... Uh, background of being able to market and admin um, uh, organization, but also understand how to take care of historic sites and collections, and it, it just sort of happened. <laughs> it was just meant to be, yeah, I guess, and yeah, all the ties and I to love Milwaukee it, and I love well. sharing Milwaukee's story. Yeah. And I think that's the coolest uh, thing about uh, working here. Have you always been someone who was interested in history, kind of interested in, in our our place in time and where we've come, or was that a more uh, more recent thing as you got through college and work? So this is small walkie, and my history teachers at Pius High School could probably hear this, and they will tell you I was not that engaged. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, but I, I liked it to a point. Um, it wasn't what I loved, loved, um, but I enjoyed it. And where I really meet with history the best is that it's the storytelling, and it's understanding a place for the people and the stories that you know bring it alive. Um, so I'm more apt to be really sucked in by a really great uh, story from someone who grew up on you know, X street and wants to tell us about it. Uh, so that's, I, I think of it more as storytelling, especially when it's local history. Uh, I'm less likely to give you the dates and, you know, who was wearing sure. what on what date, but, uh, I, I just think it's so cool to discover Milwaukee through the people's stories, the company stories and, and figure out how we became the culture and place we are today. We certainly uh, love that in our line of work too, yes. as being storytellers, but <laughs> yeah. I imagine that's a, that's an easier way to get people interested in as well. When you do have a, a story, to tell versus mm -hmm. just a, a date or on this year this happened or something. It, it does exactly. kind of connect people maybe over the years and generations. Yeah, so, you know, we run into people all the time and you say the Milwaukee County Historical Society and they're like, oh, I don't like history. And then five minutes later, they're done telling me about their uncle's store on, you, you know, Mitchell Street and you like, yeah, but you don't like history. <laughs> and so, yes, I think that is a way people connect in general is by telling each other stories and understanding um who they are, and so it's no different when it's a historical story. Uh, and so, yeah, we find that we can relate best to people when we 
talk about Milwaukee through the stories that happen yeah. versus um, rattling off dates. Um, right? I'll get back to Milwaukee for sure for most of this, but I'd be curious with your time in D.C. and a nice chunk of time there as well. Anything yeah. particular that stands out in the terms of uh, what you learned and some of the, the artifacts and things that you got to be uh, around in D.C. and our nation's capital? Working in D.C. was just so neat. It was, you know, it's people come and go into the city, so you got to meet so many amazing people. And uh, actually, one of the books I worked on, well, at the White House Historical Society or Association, was with Roland Messnier, who was the pastry chef of the White House. And he is a character. He'd actually get on an airplane, um, put his chef's hat on, and walk down the airplane and start talking about his book. <laughs> so that was a, a highlight for sure. Uh, and then... Um, there was another, it's called the Working White House. It was an exhibit they did uh, at the White House Visitor Center and also um, a program we did where we interviewed people kind of behind the scenes at the White House. Yeah. You, you always hear about the big names, sure. not the, uh, so the chief usher who was uh, there the day that uh, Kennedy was assassinated was um, moving actually to hear him speak. You had uh, some of the chefs in the kitchen. Um, the one recalled the fact that for the Bushes, you usually get eight years and then you see the family, you know, and they go away, sure. you know. Well, when the Bushes came back, they really got to see the family again. And yeah. you grow very close. And so they were talking about how cool it was to once again be making the cakes for the kids' birthdays and mm. stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was a really neat time. Great experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, but um, ultimately... I'm happy to be back in Milwaukee, especially for traffic reasons. Yeah, that's so, for sure. Yeah. As someone who grew up in Maryland, I yeah. can relate to that. DC yes. traffic is the worst. Yes, <laughs> yes. But, you know, we go back and visit. And when I said I was coming back to Milwaukee, the people there were like, finally. <laughs> they knew I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like you found a perfect landing spot. What mm -hmm. is it about Milwaukee's history in particular that you love diving into and love getting to share? Well, I... You know, I'm a U Singers fan. I, I was flying that home to DC when I was away. <laughs> I heard so, some story about the TSA maybe having uh, yes, actually, questions about the sausages that you were traveling back and forth with. Yeah. No, literally that happened. And um, they looked at me and they said, U Singers? Yeah. How do you know? And they said that and the cheese head um, material, you know, the foam, uh, has to go off and they have to take it out. So that I, I eventually just would own up to it. I was like, there's U Singers in there and they just take it right away, which was great. Uh, but yeah, so there's. Um, that, you know, I love the, the food scene in Milwaukee. We have a great Bloody Mary culture. Yeah. Uh, and so that's great. And then I really grew up with my grandparents bringing the Billy the Brownie story. So I always thought Billy was watching. So I feel like Billy the Brownie was really Elf on the Shelf for <laughs> me before, you know, Elf on the Shelf sure. existed. Uh, I would go to bed perfectly when I thought Billy was watching. Uh, so, you know, those things um, are great. Tailgating, I don't know that other cities do it better than nope. us. Uh, so I loved, you know, living not far from the Brewer Stadium growing up. So, yeah, it's I, I, I just embrace Milwaukee. And now, you know, the river and the river walk uh, is something that I'm, you know, passionate about and work with. And uh, just, you know, continuing to see Milwaukee forward is a lot of fun. And you guys are located in this beautiful bank building right next mm -hmm. to the river, too, in Pear Marquette Park. It's a nice place to uh, come to work every day, I'm sure. Great view. My favorite thing every spring from my office here, you can, um, it's looking out at the Kilbourne Street Bridge. When I hear the dinging of the bridge, mm -hmm. I know that spring is is here and there's warm weather coming. Yeah, it's no like, more ice in the river. <laughs> yes. The boats can get through. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
Um, tell me a little bit more about the work that you guys do here. How do you collect all these items? Who mm-hmm. comes to you for this information? And then I know you guys do a lot of exhibitions and stuff around as well. We do. So our collection is um, all donated by Milwaukeeans or people who somehow came across, you know, something and want it to be back in Milwaukee. So it's not a, a collection we've ever purchased or anything like that. So we really rely on people to see this as, if you will, Milwaukee's attic or the, the place that if you want something to be there for generations to come, uh, that's our job to make sure it's available. So that's how we came about our collection. And we share it through exhibits, you're, you're correct. And, uh, and then our, we have education programs, field trips, uh, events throughout the year, and our historic sites. So there's no short you know, shortage of ways to do it. But um, our exhibits are fun because we've gone with broader themes in the recent years so that, you know, you might have an attraction to a topic different than me, but we both want to come. So uh, this past uh, year we looked at Prohibition, though, and that was, people enjoy that. We've done beer and brewing, sports, music, architecture, uh, and kind of just gone down those broader themes. This coming year, uh, January, we will launch... Milwaukee Treasures exhibit, which is really the things you don't get to see Milwaukee artifacts-wise otherwise. So um, we've asked different groups in town for their personal, you know, things from their personal collections, whether that's, uh, you know, ethnic organizations, companies, people's private collections, and then our own. And so we're going to pull real smorgasbord of things, (laughs) and I think it'll be a lot of fun. And then... Typically, we don't do a large summer exhibit, but this year we are, and it's going to be the political history of Ah, Milwaukee. Perfect for the DNC coming to town. Yes, and that will be really neat because we have that, you know, socialist history here, uh, which people are, you know, very interested in. Um, And then with the anniversary, we've got the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote. So we're going to... Uh, incorporate that into the exhibit as well. Yeah. So I think it'll be a, a fun destination this summer to come and, you know, as history is happening here, learn about how we got to today. Yeah, very yeah. neat. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this will come through because this is audio, not not video necessarily, but you and I are around the same age, I mm-hmm. believe. And I believe when you first got the job here, 29, was yes. that how old you were when you first yeah. got hired? Okay. Yes. Um, I imagine many people would not picture someone running a historical society mm-hmm. to be 29 years old. So mm-hmm. did you face any pushback? And then also what, uh, I guess, different vantage point do you think being on the younger side gives you as you as you do run this organization and kind of steer it into the future? Sure. Uh, well, I think the first is energy. I've yeah. got that and anybody will tell you that. <laughs> I think I've noticed so. <laughs> that in a brief time here. Yeah. So I think that's a major uh, asset. But, you know, when I met with the board about this position, Everything was about the fact that they wanted to broaden our audience and become a destination in Milwaukee, but also be out in the neighborhoods and involved in Milwaukee um, and really play a role in um, in letting people know why Milwaukee is what it is today. And so I think that in order to do that, you have to be that. And so your board and your staff has to represent, you know, as broad as what you want to reach. Um, and so we've been, you know, trying to move forward with that for years. Uh, so I, I do get surprise from people. Um, the funnier part is with older generations, I remember the Great Circus Parade um, vividly, and that was a big part of growing up. Uh, and then... You know, you've heard me talk about Billy, and yeah. so I can connect with them on that. <laughs> uh, but then I can also uh, connect with my generation and families. I have two uh, children I'm growing, uh, raising here and are growing up in Milwaukee. So I, I want this to be a place 
where everyone feels like it's their historical society because it is, and we need to um, be reaching far out into neighborhoods yeah. and far out to um, anyone who wants to learn about Milwaukee history. So I think that's been, uh, you know, one thing I, I can do. Um, now, you know, when I worked for the White House Historical Association, I worked with this amazing lady who had worked in one of the presidential administrations, and she was almost, you know, four times my age. And <laughs> uh, people said, well, I bet you could run circles around it. I said, well, no. She can write a press release from first person. She was the, you know, right, I had there. to go look it all up. So, you know, I, I think... Um, all ages bring a benefit, but uh, I think energy has been an asset here, and well, 29-year-old has that. So. What have been some of the pushes that you've uh, especially tried to make or some of the, the, the changes that you've made to the way the society either looks towards its goals or things like that over the years? Sure. Uh, collaboration is, I think, our biggest tool, and that's something we've really tried to work into. I think our music exhibit had 17 partners wow. on it uh, because – we're not telling the best story if we're telling it from our vantage point and not talking to these organizations and the, and the people that are there today who know what the past was. And so collaboration is huge in partnerships. Uh, and I think that um, that's a, a major piece. We also have Milwaukee Museum Week, which kicked off um, for the first time last January. We're doing it again this January, so look for it. And I think that was the first time that uh, Milwaukee's museums came together uh, as well. So um, not just thinking of ourselves in a silo, but thinking of you know ourselves as part of the cultural economy and and um, uh, in Milwaukee. And what do people get from a community and from our kind of institutions? Yeah. So that's what we've really looked at, and you know having a broad interest. So education programs are huge for us. It, um, it, it means a lot to us to be able to serve schools from throughout the county and, and actually uh, areas around Milwaukee County as well. And so we partnered with the Wisconsin Historical Society last year to do that better. And so now, in addition to having uh, field trip programs, we go into schools. And we have a free program where um, our educator goes and does a history kit with the classroom for um, about an hour in, in their school. So uh, if they can't reach us, we're going to reach them, <laughs> and, and we're coming to them. Neat. So, yeah. yeah, that's a good way to look at it, too. Um, you mentioned uh, some of the ways that you look at history in kind of a much broader idea, maybe, than mm -hmm. some people would think from a textbook or something mm -hmm. like that. Why is it so important, though, to to recognize, to honor, to continue to document our history because of, of kind of the, the vision or scale, scope it gives us over the years? So I think for me, it's, you know, um, and you always hear people say that, you know, learn from the past. You, you know, you don't want to make the same mistake somebody already else has. So there's that. Uh, but there's also the fact of, I think, you know better who you are and what we can be and um, where we excel and such. If we look at the, the past and, and learn from those um, mistakes or, uh, you know, grow off of opportunities that have presented themselves, um, so, you know, it also makes me optimistic for Milwaukee. At one point, we were the healthiest uh, city in the United States. Yeah. Really? Uh, yes. Um, and <laughs> you can tell the, the face the I just made yeah. there. Yeah, um, but there's no reason we can't be that. And, you know, uh, sustainability is a, a big thing for me. And um, look where we sit. We sit on one of the great lakes. I mean, when you look at the world, we have the fresh water here that people would kill for yeah. other places. Um, so I think, you know, we, we were actually in a recent conversation about the fact that, you know, people moved here for the water, you know, um, uh, the first people were here for that. And then, you know, um, that's how uh, people immigrated here. And, and then we weren't treating the water very well. And then we had this huge, uh, 
um, surge of, oh, we got to treat our water better. And, you know, the Milwaukee River's come so far and the lakes and all that. And then now we're kind of at a point where this is all that's talking about is what's actually happening in our rivers yeah. and our waterways um, and lakes. So it's kind of, you know, full circle yeah. a few times. So um, I think it's really important that, and I think, you know, myself as a Milwaukee and others, we figure out more about who we are and why our life is the way it is and the buildings that surround us and the things and the companies and um, the festivals we have because of the past. We figure out why that exists today. And yeah. I think that's a neat perspective when you uh, start to realize that. And when you look at the past, so many things started so small, one idea or one, you know, thought and grew so big. And um, we can do that. We can, you know, yeah. make impact. So I think that's neat. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I'm fascinated by how the work of an archivist and, and someone mm -hmm. who runs a historical society will change over the years now that we are in such a digital and electronic yeah. age. You won't mm -hmm. necessarily have documents and pictures actually physically printed off because mm -hmm. everything gets emailed back and forth mm -hmm. or shared or texted or something. How yeah. does that change? Because uh, I imagine you, you do think about how will this continue? How will sure. we adapt to this time as a way to, to record and document it? Yeah, I mean, we'll think about it this way. Our conversation right now yeah. might have been in an article in the past, uh, written, printed, uh, but now it's going to be digital. That's and a that's great it. point. And so that is something, you know, we have to harness better and um, it's especially hard the smaller historical society you are because this is extreme cost to digitize and um, figure out. So that's something that is in our 10-year goal um, and we're working towards and understanding what are the best avenues for us to uh, grow in that, um, in our digitization and our ability to uh, um, keep you know, video and film and, you know, we have slides up to Wazoo. So right now we're actually working on the slides and getting those all digitized. Um, but making sure that the way we digitize them now can easily move forward into the future too. So there's so many different uh, things to think about, but it's, it's a major goal here at the Milwaukee County Historical Society. It is something that every historical society and any group like us, libraries and such, is trying to figure out what's the best way for them to do that. Um, and ensure that the collections that they have are available for the public. Hmm. So um, it's not something I can say we figured out uh, in full yet, but it's um, something we're definitely putting our time and effort towards. And um, I hope, you know, in seven, eight, nine years, you can say, oh, look at what you guys have done. Yeah. And, uh, um, and more importantly, that when you come here, you can find what you're looking for. So, Do you worry, and sometimes I think about this too, just that, that we are losing a lot because it doesn't necessarily get saved. I mean, yeah. I think about the fact I have pictures uh, of me in high school, of me growing mm -hmm. up, of me kind of starting college, mm -hmm. and then it just kind of stops because everything's <laughs> in a Facebook album or everything's on my computer if yes. I don't go and print it off. And I think uh, there's a lot of relationships, including like my wife, I have early stages of our yeah. relationship and then it necessar doesn't necessarily uh, translate physically. Is, yeah. is there a concern that there is something lost there? I'm sure there is. I mean, it's funny you say that because my first conversations um, that are written, I guess, with um, who's now my husband, um, when he was like, hey, you know, what, where do you want to meet or something, was is on Facebook Messenger. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I know we, we have lost that. And, you know, I gave you the example earlier when we were chatting about, you know, things used to be written and we would write letters back and forth. People weren't saving emails the same way. Now you can, you know, have those on a server and keep all those emails, but you're not going to come across it as you clean out a box like right. you would. Um, you know, my, my family all grew up here and my, um, my mom's family, uh, the Dugans, and there's eight kids and then my grandparents and my grandparents, um, 
apparently went on a trip to Massachusetts at one point and ended up buying a beautiful dining room table, I think it was. Well, anyway, um, flash forward many, many years, and my grandparents were no longer with us, and my uncle had been living for about 20 years in Littleton, Massachusetts. My mom comes across a letter, and the letter is from the person um, that my grandparents bought this uh, piece of furniture yeah. from. And it was a few doors down from where my uncle was living today. <laughs> we never would have known yeah. that. Certainly not from the credit card, uh, the online order I would have put it through on a credit yeah. card or something like that. So, you know, just something like that. Uh, or, you know, we have people here who come in and understand um, their pass-through handwritten letters that we have uh, here. So I, I think, you know, it's something to say. Keep, keep writing. Keep, yeah. don't, don't let it be all over email. Uh, and, you know, I hope, though, that from the most important documents that we have, um, that we definitely have, you know, everyone um, works towards how do we digitize or keep in a way that we can find and, you know, have for years to come. Yeah. Um, you know, because, you know, your birth certificate, uh, those things we can count on, their paper right. and print and stuff. But I think it's those other things that really can mean a lot, like a uh, letter from your grandma or... Uh, photos of you know you when you're young your your grandkids sure, are going to yeah. want those someday so how are you making sure um so i guess go to walgreens yep, for printing yep add that um, to my to-do yeah, list this week yeah <laughs> so but i mean it's something to think about and what kind of uh print legacy or you know paper legacy do you want to leave and yeah. maybe we're better off because we can curate that and say oh, <laughs> i guess that's good true right yeah because uh, you know it used to be we take a roll of film not know what it would come back yep. like, right? And those are there. I know they're in my parents' house. Uh, but now I could just say, "There's the one good one," and yeah, just print that that'll, out. So, that'll yeah. Save. yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, it, it is important though, and I I hope we don't lose as much. Um, it's probably inevitable, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to have some fun stuff. You want to tell me about some of the, the the quirky or particular peculiar things you've come across that you've discovered in the uh, sure. society's collection. Anything particularly come to mind? Well, our right Jeremiah jump? Curtin collection is really interesting. <laughs> and Jeremiah Curtin was an immigrant boy um, who came to Milwaukee. He spoke so many languages. I mean, it's, I think, 16 fluently or something like that. Wow. He's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, we have his historic site out in Greendale. And the children especially love to see um, his collection. He does have a mummified cat, uh, <laughs> some mummified body parts, and that's always interesting. Why? Um, that he was a very eclectic uh, collector, okay. traveled the world. He's got, uh, it actually it's interesting because he's a Milwaukeean, but a lot of things from his collection are from his travels around the world. Hmm. Uh, and those ended up with us. Uh, so we have that. Um, also, what we like to do with the kids who come to Trimborn Farm, which we have our education programs out there, is we give them, it's a, it looks like a black ball. It's kind of, you know, it's round, but it's, you know, not perfect. And they all hold it and pass it around. And then we said, well, this is what they would have, you know, played with when, you know, oh, okay, what do you think it's made of? It's a cow's hairball, essentially. I mean, that's, it's like regurgitated <laughs> by a cow. And they're like, you know, immediately drops. And uh, so now I've gotten um, smarter and I collect it before I tell them what it is. Yeah, you know, so it smart. doesn't drop on the floor. Uh, so, you know, we have things like that. Um, and then, geez, the photo collection, you can find anything and everything and uh there's no limit there. If I give you some categories, maybe would that help? Uh, maybe something. spark something. Yeah. So um, maybe if it's something from Milwaukee sports history or brewing history, you mentioned the blue ribbons. If there's something else that comes, or... uh, the brewing history. So we have all the. This is weird. We um, just kind of maybe about a year ago, we have all the keys from uh, 
the Schlitz Brewery. <laughs> it's a whole board of keys. And they're actually really cool, but you couldn't open anything now. Right. And, you know, I'm not sure how much history it holds other than um, it was the keys for everything, but it's kind of random and, yeah. and different. Uh, and um, we really have an extensive collection of Pabst and, you know, such like that. And their awards are beautiful. I love seeing those. We do have uh, um, police artifacts, uh, things like that. And so we have what would have been um, kind of booby traps. Hmm. Uh, like we did get a call um, from a local company. They wouldn't tell us who it was. They were disabling a vault and they had like this booby trap in the vault door. Well, it turns out, it, I mean, it had tear gas in it, essentially. I mean, you know, it would have like not, so we said, no, please call hazmat, not right. us. <laughs> and, and deal with that. So yeah, you get everything and anything. We have a, you know, there's um, documents for the red light district of Milwaukee which would have been actually where the Marcus Center is now. I was going to ask, okay. Yeah, so it was always performing center, <laughs> I guess. Different kind of yeah. performing. Yeah, the history just goes back way further than the 50 years of the Marcus yeah. Center. But uh, yeah, so it, it can be a lot of fun. And it also, you know, I recently bought a house in Milwaukee and you go and try to find photos of that. People do that. It was fun. Um, day, uh, Michael Ilick was here and he had found a document that, um, so they pretty much think that they, know where all the Frank Lloyd Wright houses are, but he found a document upstairs that proved that a home in Shorewood was actually an original Frank Lloyd Wright. Wow. So those are exciting days here. Uh, and then you have other times where someone comes in and they find a piece, a document, a piece that just tells them everything they need to know about you know, themselves or you know, that they were missing or something like that. And that's really wonderful to yeah. see. Or, um, we had a new board member... Um, and he was up looking at naturalization documents, and in walks another board member. He's looking over his shoulder at the naturalization documents, and it turns out that one board member's grandfather was the person who sponsored the other board member's uh, grandfather um, for the naturalization. Wow. Yeah. I mean, isn't that yeah, weird, actually? Yeah, what a small world. It was, it's kind of creepy when you think of it. So we have those really fun things uh, that happen here, and... Um, Neat discoveries, cool photos. I could sit with the photo collection for a while. Oh, so, it must yeah. be amazing. Yeah, we make back, them available yeah. on our Facebook page. We, um, here's a neat thing. So we have something called Someplace in Milwaukee County, and Steve Schaffer, one of our archivists, does this. And we get a lot of photos, and we don't know what they are. And it could just be a house in Milwaukee. Well, where do we begin? Uh, we might not know the age. So we'll put it up there, and maybe someone who's really into cars will say, no way that's before 1965, because that car was started you know, in 1965. Someone else will say, oh, but you know, on the road there's this, and they didn't do those type of roads. So that, you know, so we'll, it's kind of a crowdsource. It's like history detectives yeah, almost. Yeah, and it's amazing when we put them up how quickly people start with their comments, and then someone will just throw up a photo and be like, here's the house. So we've actually been able to identify things in our collection through uh, the people in Milwaukee just loving the city they live in and or lived in yeah. and uh, remembering and helping us to come wow. up with that history. Yeah. yeah, I could probably ask you questions for hours, <laughs> but uh, we should uh, wrap this up. I should ask uh, if people are interested, what's the best way for, for them to be a part of this, for them to use the resources that mm -hmm. you guys have through the Historical Society? Uh, well, all of our information is on milwaukeehistory.net. 
But we're down here in this historic, beautiful bank building, uh, 1913 um, bank building called the Brewer. It was the Brewer's Bank at the time is what it was finally uh, called. Um, and uh, so our exhibits are here, our research library. Uh, we're open six days a week, 935. And then we also have our historic sites, which are open for different events and tours. And now I have to figure out a way to make this audio archive <laughs> into a physical form that we can yes. bury somewhere with a recording device or something to play it on afterwards, right? Very cool. Yeah, make that happen. <laughs> All right. Maeve, thank you so much. Put in the archive. <laughs>It is now time for the Fox Six Pack of Questions, our chance each and every week to get to know one of the faces, one of the people that you get to see on Fox Six here at the station by asking them very little to do with their actual work here at the station. We're joined by one of the newest people here at Fox Six, our new member of the weather team, meteorologist Eric Mangus. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. The podcast really getting desperate for content, I can see. <laughs> we Hopefully... Are. I can help you guys out a little bit, though. Yeah, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel. I don't want people to get to know me too well, so let's not get too deep. Well, maybe we can come back and do this again with uh, follow-ups. But to start with, (laughs) most of the people we've talked to have been kind of veterans, been around for a number of years. So this will be interesting with you having just made this decision. Mm -hmm. Besides the station, besides the uh, the chance here to join the weather team, what was about Milwaukee that drew you to this job and to this area? So um, I actually way before I even knew that there was a job available. I, I was kind of scoping out cities that I'd like to continue working at and getting experience. Because, you know, believe it or not, I'm almost 25. So wow. I'm, the, I'm the most experienced meteorologist in the world. Yes. But I need to get more experience, Carl, <laughs> believe it or not. So I am. Uh, I was looking at places that, uh, you know, had a good city science, plenty to do, um, decent distance from home, grew up in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, so I was kind of looking for that sweet spot. And not to say that there wasn't any other options, but after coming to Milwaukee, after seeing the people and, of course, me in the station, it made the decision really easy. Nice. I think looking back at it, like I would have done this decision 100 times out of 100 times. Maybe 99, actually. Ooh, yeah. Maybe try out some crazy things. But You hung out with those on Wake Up and you were like, how could I not take How this could job, I not right? hang out with these people? <laughs> they're nice. I know, just kidding. They're really mean. No, they're actually really nice. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was really fun just visiting and getting to know you guys. And hopefully I get to know you guys a little bit more. There we go. And enough about me, though. But, Over yeah. a nice long stretch here at the station. That's what we're <laughs> hoping for anyway. Um, outside of work, outside of your weather coverage, outside mm-hmm. of when you're hanging out at home, where are we most likely to find you around your new city? You might find me in the woods somewhere. Ooh. Just Hanging out. Actually, for real, though, I love hiking and I love the outdoors. And you might get to know this over time, but I'm, I would consider myself an amateur naturalist. Wow. So I just love learning about now I've getting into this big thing with uh, grasslands and wetlands. So I like learning facts about that stuff. And I live right next to a park, so it's great. I've been learning about nature things here or there, and it's awesome. And I got to go to the zoo recently, got to learn about hibernation and learn about all these cool things. So I love the outdoors. You might see me there. Um, I love I love just meeting new people, meeting new places. So um, kind of experiencing the culture, and that's definitely something that Milwaukee has, the beer culture and the cheese culture. <laughs> yes, indeed. I love it. Yes. And so far, we've been uh, exploring a bunch. Uh, every time my family members have come to visit, I've taken them out to Lakefront, taken out to uh, a few other breweries as well. So I feel like I'm getting the hang of things here. Well, maybe it'll be Lakefront, maybe it won't be, but where and what was the last great meal you had around the area Ooh. as you explore the restaurant scene? Um, let's, let, me think, let me think of this one through here because 
We did just go to a fish fry at Lakefront on Friday. Yeah, um, you've been doing a tour of them around the area. Right? I know, right? I, well, we're trying to make it a thing. Every Friday, <laughs> I go to a fish fry. Um, oh, Al Johnson's. Ah, Door County. Like Swedish it. pancakes. Um, I actually, so my mom, uh, my mom's side is 100% Swedish. So Al Johnson's, as soon as I saw you know, the, the grass on the roof, I yeah. knew this place would be good. The goat's hanging out there. And uh, I guess you wouldn't call this local southeast Wisconsin sure. cuisine, but eastern Wisconsin Hey, you're exploring uh, our area. The Swedish pancakes they had were better than my mom's. Whoa. Better. I hope your mom doesn't listen to podcasts. I told her that. No, I told, I told my mom, I was like, I don't know how they did this, but Al Johnson's has better pancakes than yours, and it's not a, I'm not trying to just, man. I don't say that lightly. That's I love my I love my mom very much. Yeah, important know. to note that and as I, well. Uh, I, I had record. to tell her that. Yeah. I had to break the news to her, but it was, Carl, it was amazing. This is going to be an interesting next question because uh, you and I don't look exactly the same, but people will have joked, including us, that we may be long-lost brothers as a fellow Scandinavian, fellow blonde-haired person here. So who plays you in a movie? We are casting the role of Eric Um, Mangus. Maybe Robert Redford with just a lot, a lot of makeup on. I like it. Sign me up for that. He's close to 70, I think, by now, but he's one of my all-time favorite actors. Um, I think he'd do a great job. I think... Modern, you would do a great job given the honor to play. Tom Tom Hanks is good in any role. If he could do Mr. Rogers, and he he also did Walt Disney, I think he could play Eric Mangus. Do you see many similarities between Mr. Rogers, Walt Disney, and meteorologist Eric Mangus? Twenty-five years old uh, in Castaway. Yeah, but after he had been cast away for like Uh, a few years, yes, he was all gnarled up hair and stuff. That. (laughs) If he gets back into that kind of role, because I'm kind of skinny too, so he he slimmed up yeah. quite a bit. So if he uh, if he's if he's that kind of method actor, I think Tom Hanks. Well, once he gets a probable Fred Oscar nomination for the new Fred Rogers movie, we'll let him know that there's another project out there for I'll let him, him to try. I've heard I've heard Gino talks to him all the time. There we so, go. Yeah. We'll work the connections. Uh, what is a talent or skill that we should know about that you don't necessarily get to display on air all the time? Well, I can juggle. Nice. I can also... Rob can juggle, too. Is that a requirement of No, meteorologists are just weird. We all have these weird talents <laughs> and stuff. Um, uh, we... I can also moonwalk. Um, Definitely might, need to I'm, use I'm that I'm going to do that on, on the, new, air, the yeah. new set, the new set we have. If you guys haven't seen it, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. But they polish the floor. Mm. It's not going to look that good for very long because we're going to scuff it up in no time. <laughs> but I've been meaning to moonwalk in my socks when no one's looking on those things because it's so smooth. Um, see what else? I'm, I can also pretty much identify any tree species in Wisconsin hmm. that you pointed out to me. Nice. I do require the leaves, though. I'm not, I'm not a bark expert gotcha. yet. But see, again, I told you, I'm a naturalist. I love learning about Yeah, you were joking nature. about that, all right? I wasn't joking. So, um, yeah. And I'm trying to learn more about insects as well. Kind of getting that, you know, we all get in that insect phase when we're in our 20s. I must have missed that. You must have missed that I don't remember one? that phase. Oh, man. Maybe it's just me then. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. You're, you're doing excellent here. What is the most random job you've ever had? <laughs> Carl, my life has been random jobs. <laughs> but uh, I, you want me to just go through my employment history? Maybe not all of it, but <laughs> maybe a highlight or two. Actually, when they did my background check here. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, jail. No, that didn't happen. But... Uh, they asked for employment. So, okay. So I started off, um, my first job was at a, a pet store, Fish and Pets. It was, it was a pretty interesting place. Hmm. Wouldn't want to work there again, but okay. I learned a lot. 
I, w- I smelled a lot of bad smelling things. Bad stores go through a lot of fish and it's gross. Mm. Yes. Um, I'm not going to go into more detail on that. But my next job was at a tree farm. So I was a tree salesman. Hence all the knowledge. Well, I actually knew about trees beforehand. That's oh, why that I, told, I told, and he's the best boss I've ever had. So the boss here at Fox 6 has high standards in my opinion, but uh, Jim Whiting was his name. Hmm. I think he's, he's still kicking, but uh, he was a great guy. And um, so I, I've worked in pets, trees, and then, you know, I try to go old school and, you know, started working at news stations because, yeah. you know, I thought I need to get some structure in my life. And then one summer in between college, actually, I worked as a bar back at a restaurant. So I have a lot of respect for people that work in the restaurant yeah, industry. Yeah, that's no joke. It is rough. And because they told me I could be a server eventually, and because you can tell from this podcast, I love talking. So um, they never gave me that server job. So I was <laughs> kind of like, would have never gotten into you know order. what? School starts back up again in the fall. I'm... <laughs> I got to go. So that didn't last a ton of time. But then I worked in Tyler, Texas, and then I work now here. How about it? Milwaukee. There you go. I actually, I did, there was a stop in Des Moines where I worked at oh, Des Moines. Oh, good. Okay. So well. we have gotten the entire what employment was the original, history. What was the original question? <laughs> yeah, again? you basically covered it. Okay. We're going to wrap you up. But how about this for a way to close? We're looking forward to the, uh, the young 25-year-old sapling, Eric Mangas, putting down roots here and growing into a, a staple of the Fox 6 weather department. A staple, staple oak tree. Wow. Red oak is my favorite tree. (laughs) Okay, you're done now. (laughs) Okay. That's it for another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Uh, thanks once again to Maine McCulley and Eric Mangus, even if we had to cut him off, for being guests on this edition. And a huge thank you to the person you don't hear behind the scenes, Leanne Watson, for putting this all together so well. If you want more of Definitely Milwaukee or Open Record, the other podcast from Fox 6, you should make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Also leave us a rating and review as that really helps things out. And a reminder that you can also download any of the episodes anytime at fox6now.com. Come uh-huh.